Welcome to today's very special edition of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Normally, I try to do a solo pod once a month, but this month I had a great opportunity to speak with students at Johnson & Wales University in Charlotte, North Carolina. And for the first time, I was actually able to get a full audio recording of the keynote. And so I thought it would be a really unique and cool opportunity. I've actually gotten this idea from Ryan Hawk, who is the creator and host of the Learning Leader podcast. He releases a lot of live conversations with his guests or keynotes that he does. And I thought it would be really cool and an interesting idea to follow along in those footsteps and release a keynote of my own. So I got the full audio. It's as good as I can do with the limited resources that I have, but I think it's good enough for us to listen to, and the content is really obviously the most important aspect of this all. So again, this is a keynote from Johnson & Wales University in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was given on Tuesday, November 12th, 2019. We started at roughly 8.05 p.m., I'm just going to play this from start to finish. It is lightly edited, but for the most part, it is live and just as it was. Before we get to it, I just want to say, because we won't have any interruptions, a quick shout out to my sponsor, Sweat with Stads. Go to www.sweatwithstads.com to figure out what she can do today for your fitness future tomorrow. And if you like this speech, after you're done listening, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. So here we go. Here is my keynote from Johnson & Wales University on having difficult conversations. Thank you, Scott. Good afternoon, Johnson & Wales. (laughs) I know it's late. So I won't keep you very long tonight, but we're going to talk about leadership. And as a leader, there are many. That's the word. Yeah, this is on. Yeah. As a leader, there are. We can hear you. We can hear As a leader, there are many natural attributes that you need to have in order to be successful. Anyone want to throw a few of them out? Ooh, charisma. Charisma. Confidence. Confidence. That was was yours? Vision. Vision. Patience. Diligence. Diligence. I heard patience. Listening skills. Listening skills. Those are all great attributes to have, and they're necessary for success. At Talent 409, the firm that I own and lead, we have seven pillars that we say is dynamic. It makes you a dynamic leader. But instead of running through all seven of those in our short time today, I thought I would focus on one particular aspect of leadership. Surprisingly, it's none of them that you just shouted out. But today we're going to talk about communication, and specifically we're going to talk about having difficult conversations. So before we dive into that, I want to talk a little bit about communication, give you that background. Communication, a lot of you already know, is important to success. I'm not telling you anything new. We know what good communication looks like. FDR, President Roosevelt, used great communication 
to have fireside chats during the Great Depression. And that was the way Americans found out whether or not we were going to get through one of the toughest economical times in our country's history. Barack Obama has a cool attitude when he's up in front of people speaking, and it makes you feel great when you get to hear him talk. So we know what great communication looks like, but the question a lot of us have, and maybe some of you have tonight in the audience, is how do we communicate? And that's why I want to talk specifically about having difficult conversations. I believe, as a leader, if you have difficult conversations, you will separate yourself from all of your peers. Who here wants to be in a leadership position in the future? Just about every single person in here. I'm here to tell you right now, leadership is great, but true leaders are the ones who can have difficult conversations because on just about a daily basis, as a leader, you need to be able to have a difficult conversation. And if you can't have a difficult conversation with an employee, with a coworker, with a business partner, you're not going to last very long. Think about it in this context. You're all in school right now. You have a project, and you're the team leader. You have five other team members and you split up the project so that you all do an even amount of work. The night before the project is due, there is a team member that hasn't shown up for class in over three weeks, has been ghosting your calls, ghosting your texts, and you finally come to the realization that that person's probably not gonna put their, put their work in for the project, and they probably quit school altogether. <laughs> if you are the leader of the organization, what do you do? You have a couple options here. The first option is you can just do the work yourself. You can stay up all night, deprive yourself of sleep, get the work done. It might not be great, but it's not going to kill your grade the way it would if you handed it in and 10% of it was missing. That's option number one. But option number two is you take accountability for holding out for a miracle, you show integrity, and you have a conversation with your teammates. And you say, hey, this is the situation, this is what happened, what should we do? And you might be surprised. Your teammates may say, we'll help you out. So all of that work that you were about to do alone because you didn't want to have the difficult conversation is now getting done amongst five other people. Option number two is your teammates hear your sob story. They don't want to put the work in. And you're back to square one. This isn't a bad option either because from here, now you can have another difficult conversation. Now you can go to your professor. Again, be honest. Be accountable. Show integrity. Just tell them what happened. You'd be surprised how many professors are willing to give an extension on a project 
on a paper, or on any assignment. In the real world, we call that negotiating. So by having the difficult conversation, you've put yourself into situations where all the work doesn't fall on you. And that's what's really important about leadership, is to understand that you have some tough decisions to make, but you don't need to be the one who's the hero. You don't need to be the one to save the day. And at the end of the day, your prof professor may not give you an extension. And you may have to hand in that assignment 10% empty. And that's going to affect your grade, and that's going to affect your whole team's grade. But you've put yourself in a position to succeed by having difficult conversations. And you will find that when you get into the working world, when you get into the business world, or when you're running for a government position, that these type of conversations are going to be needed to have on just about a daily basis. Before I wrap up, I want to tell you another story that showcases what having a difficult conversation can do for you. I know it's been a few years, but who here knows who Derek Jeter is? Okay, good chunk of you. Derek Jeter, the future Hall of Fame shortstop, New York Yankees, most famous franchise in sports history. In 2010, he was up for free agency for the first time in his career. Derek Jeter came up during the 1995 season, played his first full season in 1996. So how do we get all the way to 2010 the first time to get free agency? Well, back in 2001, he took a team-friendly contract extension based on the fact that he was going to get rewarded for being a team player and taking less money than he would have gotten on the open market the first time. George Steinbrenner, the infamous owner of the Yankees, was still in power back in 2001, made that promise to Jeter, made that offer to Jeter. Jeter was 25, 26, making good money. He didn't really care difference between $40 million or so. He just wanted to win ring number five. That was all that was on his mind. Well, it took Derek Jeter just about another seven years to get ring number five. And on top of that, in 2010, he had his worst offensive season in his future Hall of Fame career. The third thing that was pitted against him was by the time he got to the negotiating table, George Steinbrenner had passed away. So the man who went to bat for Derek Jeter nine years prior was gone. And Derek Jeter went into negotiations with Brian Cashman, who's the Yankees general manager. He told Brian everything I just outlined for you. And what did Brian Cashman do? Brian Cashman gave Derek Jeter an offer that was fair to market value. In Derek Jeter's eyes and in Derek Jeter's mind, that was not an offer of good faith. Derek Jeter felt he deserved more because he took less. But Brian Cashman wasn't about to be swayed by sentiment. Brian Cashman has a job. His job is to put the best players on the field for the Yankees. And when Jeter came to him with his disappointment, he could have done one of two things. 
he could have gotten swayed by the sentiment and signed Jeter and put a stranglehold on their salary. But instead, what he ended up doing was he simply told Jeter to go shop for a better offer. Brian Cashman told Derek Jeter, the face of the New York Yankees, the face of Major League Baseball, to go find a better offer. And on top of this, it was all playing out in public. So the beat writers are killing Brian Cashman, saying he's not being a good person towards Derek Jeter. He has no heart. He's the Grinch. But Brian Cashman had that difficult conversation with Derek Jeter, and guess what happened? Jeter went out to the open market, looked for a better offer, came back a few weeks later, and realized that the best offer that he was going to get was coming from the New York Yankees. Because at that point in his career, his value was much lower than he actually perceived it to be. So Brian Cashman had the difficult conversation, and it's not about winning or losing, but Brian Cashman knew what he had it to do he stuck to his guns, and he got the job done. It's just another story to illustrate how having difficult conversations can happen on a pretty regular basis. And the more times that you can have those conversations, and trust me, I know, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be hard in the beginning, but the more times you can practice that, the more comfortable you're going to get, and the more effective you're going to be as a leader. Any questions from the audience before I get out of here? Yes, sir. Um, what type of leadership roles have you done probably within the last 10 years? Yeah, great question. In the last 10 years, so I'm 30, <laughs> so I was 20. Right. 10 years ago, I was still in school. <laughs> but I have been in a few different leadership positions. Currently, I am the membership director for the Penn State Alumni Association chapter here in Charlotte. I have served on the board for the Queen City Toastmasters Club right here in Charlotte. I'm also a mentor, which is a leadership type position in that club as well. In my professional career, I served as a quasi-district sales manager and GM for a Fortune 500 company branch in Syracuse, New York, when the two folks that were in that leadership position left pretty abruptly, so in an interim basis. I was also the lead recruiter, it's now director of recruiting, for a startup company in Syracuse, New York, where I used to live during a five-month period or so, four or five-month period when my boss was on maternity leave, so that was an awesome experience. But yeah, I've had a few different leadership positions, obviously CEO, president of my own company. I was co-captain in high school for my baseball team. It's a little over 10 years, but <laughs> those are some of the positions that I've been in the past. Anyone else? We'll come back. Um, like, how do you brace yourself to have, like, a difficult conversation or deal with, like, the aftermath of having it? Because, you know, people can have tough feelings or rough emotions after a very difficult conversation. Sure. That's a great question. So the question is, how do you brace yourself or how do you deal with the impact of having the difficult conversation? One of the really interesting aspects of having difficult conversations is it does two things. One, 
it's going to speed up whatever the situation is. So think about any time that you've ignored a situation, whether it's in your personal life, in your professional life, in school, for all you folks out here. Think about when you ignore something, it's like a slow bleeding death, right? It doesn't go away, it just is there and you wanna ignore it and you get all these weird feelings. So the first thing that happens is it speeds up the whole process. And the second thing that happens, or could happen, is it'll just end the conflict or end the situation altogether. So you have the difficult conversation, you come to a resolution, and then it's over, one way or another. And sometimes it's literally as simple as that. There isn't any lingering feelings. It's, it, you may go into it feeling like that's going to happen, and then you have the conversation, it gets resolved, and you walk out and you say, wow, what, what just happened? <laughs> Why didn't I do this long ago? So those are a couple things that can happen, but I think one of the main things to your question is when it comes to work especially, but maybe even in a, a school setting, you can't take work-specific things so personally because at the end of the day, it is just business. Yes, you are working with other people. You want to be respectful of them. You want to honor their opinions. But if there's a business decision that has to be made, sometimes you just, you have to, and that's why having that difficult conversation can also just help you separate the business sense from the personal aspect of everything. And that can seem a little harsh, but eventually you'll get to a point where you will understand that a little bit more right now. It's gonna be a little bit difficult, obviously, but I think once you can separate the personal aspect from the business aspect, that's gonna help a lot with that too. So I mean, you pretty much touched on what I was gonna ask, but like, if you're at the other end, like the receiving end of the difficult conversation and you, the outcome isn't like, thought was going to be, like, how does someone deal with that? Sure. Um, because, okay, with us, you know, going to the workforce and things like that, we're not in the leadership roles just yet, but just being on the opposite end, like, how do you think, like, what's the equivalent of those? Yeah, so I would hope that the person that you're interacting with will follow the example. If you have a conversation with somebody, you would hope that they would be able to reciprocate that to you. Because... What could happen is they bottle up all their feelings, they go talking to all their coworkers and say, what a terrible boss I have, and what he just told me and everything. But you would hope that by you showing accountability and by you showing some transparency in the situation, that they would give that back to you. And it might not happen immediately, obviously. They might need some time to gather their thoughts and gather their feelings, but I would encourage people, so in the midst of that conversation, you don't want to make it an ultimatum. You don't want to say, just because this is a difficult conversation and this is what I'm saying, that's the only thing that can happen, right? You want it to be a two-way relationship. So if they have feedback or if they have a suggestion that they want to bring to you, you want them to feel empowered to be able to do that. So ending the conversation, just making sure that they know that and that they don't walk out thinking that they can't trust you anymore, they can't communicate anymore with you because you had to say something. And difficult conversations can be a, a different array of difficulty, obviously. Not everything is life and death. So 
I think that's probably a, a good way to just make sure that you keep the conversation open, keep communication open. Yes. I just wanted to add that I recently had to have a difficult conversation, and everything that happened was exactly what you said. Like, like everything you said was like on point. So you just had a conversation or a situation like that unfold. Yeah. Yeah. It was very difficult, and when um, I was trying to avoid the conversation, but it needed to be had, and it's like having the conversation just made the whole situation go a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. And that's <laughs> it's just a, a really good reminder yeah. too that there are plenty of places where you can practice having difficult conversations. And again, the degree of difficulty for these conversations is gonna vary, but just think about in your personal life how many times you can practice that on a at least a weekly basis, maybe not a daily basis, but I think we all have opportunities to practice in our personal lives and with our relationships with our family and with our friends and just being this it all ties into communication like we talked about it's being more direct people appreciate that you'll get to a point if you haven't already in life where you just want people to be straight with you and real with you so having direct difficult conversations however you want to put it it's definitely a bonus if you can do it now but especially five years from now. Um, if this is the last question or anything, would you mind leaving us a piece of advice from a leadership standpoint? Like, um, maybe a quote or something that you would live by regarding leadership. Yeah, absolutely. So, a quote that I personally live by, that was the question, some, some advice to give as we leave, whether quote or just practical advice. But I think one of the biggest things, whether you're a leader, whether you're an employee of a company, whether you are a student at Johnson & Wales, the biggest thing you can do for yourself to be successful is truly just believe in yourself. It can be difficult at times, especially in today's social media world where it's pretty easy to compare yourself to someone else and it's not always apples to apples with that. You just have to remember that Maybe some people are better taking pictures and taking videos than you are. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're on a path that's better for your life. Maybe it's good for their life. But my favorite quote is, believe deep down in your heart that you're destined to do great things. So I would just say, in order to be successful, however you define that, just always believe that you can do whatever it is that you're setting out to do. Thank you, Colin.